everyone. It's Casey, and I'm here to let you guys know something so exciting. So it's Monday, as you know, when our episode drops, but something awesome is happening on Wednesday, December 1st. If you are out there and you are trying to figure out how you're going to start studying for this badass BCBA exam or BCABA exam, well, we have something awesome. It's called The Collective, and we're starting our Spring Collective on January 10th, okay? It's going to run January 10th through March 16th. We're going to meet twice a week, Monday and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, take you through the entire task list with awesome, real, raw, relatable examples, as you have come to know from us, and it is going to rock. We're so looking forward to our new cohort. So this Wednesday, December 1st, signups are opening for pre-signup early bird special. You can take $50 off with coupon code EARLYAF. We're so pumped to have you. Love you. Mean it. Study notes, ABA. ABA and a little X-rated away. It's behavior, bitches. Hey guys, it's Liat and Casey, and we are here with episode 105. Casey, what do you have for us? Episode 105, can I get a dime? Holla. This bitch has no idea how to rhyme. <laughs> like, Casey, write it down on paper. Write down the word five, F-I-V-E, dime. and then dime, okay? I mean, it's now, close if you want to find five... Just replace the letter in the front, like the F, with like a D. Like, can I take a dive? Or, or ouch, oh, I, I stepped in a beehive. And that was it, probably one we used for episode five or 55 or 65. So now we just, we just make anything rhyme. YOLO. Oh, All right, Casey. You know. So episode 105, um, before we get started, mm-hmm. I would love for you to give us some positive reinforcement, a review that someone's left for us. Preferably a good one. I can do that. And also, um, I want to put out to the universe, leave us some reviews. We are at 985, and I really, really, really want to get to 1,000 by the new year, okay? So let's do this. This episode is going to be dropping on November 29th. That gives you guys one month to drop in and leave us some five-star reviews, so I have more to read, but there's still a ton I haven't. So this one is from ABA Guy 99 We love a good BCBA guy. It's amazing. Um, It says, great podcast. I recently listened to the podcast episode about addiction and was pleased to see how Casey and Liat consistently tied the topic to behavior analytic principles, describing how ABC contingencies presented themselves throughout the addiction and recovery process was helpful in forming an idea of possible interventions slash treatments for addiction. I also liked how environmental variables such as societal stigmas, the problematic healthcare system, and family pressures were considered as context for addiction behaviors as well. Overall, I really enjoyed the episode and will likely tune in to listen to more episodes in the future. Thank you. Thank you, ABA guy, whoever you are out there for what an amazing review. What a great review. Like writing such detail. First of all, your recall on an episode is amazing, ABA guy. Very impressed. And everyone go out there and leave us a review. I'm telling you, if you want us to keep doing this, you will leave a review because that's what we live for and what continues to reinforce our behavior of bringing you more episodes. All right, Casey, let's tell them who our guest is today. Our guests today are cool. They are hot. They are funny. 
They are hilarious. I mean, they are everything and they are dealing with a lot of stuff in their lives right now. The guests are... I was going to say, they are hot mess expresses. Their names are... Leah and Casey. Yes, guys, it's us again. We are here just doing a throwback to just us. No guest. We have been through a lot of stuff recently. We have a lot to say. We have a really interesting kind of um, oddball topic that Liad is obsessed with. And um, I have personal family experience (laughs) with. So (laughs) we were laughing and I'm like, this should be a fun, like, kind of just um, escape from the everyday, like, ABA, BCBA topics. Um, You know, we like to throw some weird shit in here. So, yeah. So we are here to do a topic on... Liat, you tell them. I want to wait. I don't want to tell them yet because I kind of want to tell them what's been going on. Since you get the two of us, it's always nice for us to reconvene and just recalibrate. Not that we're not on the phone or Zoom all day, every day, but recalibrate on a podcast level between the both of us. And you guys, <laughs> you know, we come on here and we sound like we know what's going on and life is gravy. But let me tell you. If it's not her dealing with something, it's me. If it's not, yep. You know, I mean, it was so funny. Uh, it was uh, when was it? Monday? Yeah, yesterday. What the? I don't even know what day it is anymore. Um, I, we were sitting there, and I'm going through a lot family crisis. I'll tell you guys about it in a second, but. I was like, I'm going to get on Instagram and do like letting everyone know to come to our free class. And I like literally felt, I'm like, hey guys, what's up? Like so fucking fake. And I'm like, I I, I also just like, we got to keep like the study prep Instagram and that's fine. And like, but I just like laughed at myself. I'm like, if they only knew that there's an air mattress on the floor in my office that my sister and her two children are sleeping on because they're homeless or the fact that like, I have no personal space anymore and I'm completely displaced and dealing with domestic violence with my sister and my mom and like just so much shit's going on. I'm like, that's just please note. Casey is not personally dealing with domestic violence. Let me just clarify that for anyone. No, just, um, you know, when I moved out of my house when I was 16, I never looked back or never involved myself with, and you guys know my story with my mom and sister and their addiction. And it's just been something that's so removed from me. Like I just, I know there's probably crazy shit going on, but I just can't allow myself to get in tangled or into it. So I've created the life I want and worked really hard um, to get where I am. And recently I've had to, because, you know, if anyone out there has niece and nephews and I'm, you know, I'm going, trying to get my own kids. So they're my whole world. So if my sister needs me or like family needs me, I'm the first one to be there. And Taking them in has been a lot. Um, Matt and I live in a shoebox, and luckily I have an office. But again, that's not a legal dwelling space. So <laughs> it's been really rough. And I also realized my sister has an 11 year old and a one and a half year old. And I'm amazed at how amazing of a mother she is. Also makes me second guess ever having children. Like it is so, Leah. And I, I now see, like, just like having the one and a half year old, forget about Maddox. Like, it is so much work from the second they wake up at 5 a.m. until nighttime. It doesn't stop. And it's wild. So Leah's been helping me through that. Thank you. Today we had a little, um, what, two hour. I was bawling my eyes out right before this. And we're getting her a hotel because the shelters are full because it's winter in New England and it's holidays. So 
we decided. Well, you want to say also, you guys know Casey's sister. She was on episode like two. Yeah, I think it was um, like it's early. really amazing to see. Mm-hmm. You know, she was talking about her addiction to heroin, how far she's come. It's amazing. Um, and whenever I see these things going on, I'm always just. I'm so amazed by Casey. Like I always tell you Casey all the time that like, I'm like, I literally don't understand <laughs> how oh you God. are, who you are based on like yeah. what you, cause I know you guys know Casey and I work together, mm-hmm. but we really are best friends too. Like, like sisters, sisters to the point yeah. that like, you know, I'll send her mom a text if I need to, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, involve myself. You may regret it, but it's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But we all did spend her entire, what, hour therapy last night only talking about me and my family. <laughs> I went to therapy last night. I'm like, Casey, I'm going to therapy. I'm going to ask what you should do because I'm really distraught about this. The entire session, and I'm like typing up notes in the session. Um, but really – Casey, I tell you all the time, I mean, what what you have made of yourself, I am just like so proud of you and just what you deal with, I know is so difficult and um, I, I see you and how a lot of like, you know, sometimes you you try keep these boundaries, but at the same time, it's like, if a family member's homeless, like you got to help. And with that, um, I see like the constant struggle and state that you're in and, and I see how it brings up so much trauma for you. Oh yeah. Um, more than just the idea of like, okay, like it's hard having someone else in my home or this or that, or I'm worried for these kids, but it's also like, mm-hmm. it has an extra layer that is not apparent to everyone. Right. And of like, this is bringing up a lot of stuff for me. Like I, I, I'm like, you know, like in a constant state of like that fight or flight again, where even though my sister and I have worked through so much and I'm so freaking proud of her and she is sober and she's taking care of these kids and doing what she needs to do. It doesn't kind of also take away all the triggers that I've had from her and my mom. And now that like, when that comes back and today, one thing we were talking about was how do you help? without allowing it to ruin your own self, mental health relationships with my husband here. Like, what can I do? Um, and you said it funny. Like, we, what we did is I was like, just we'll get her a hotel room for eight days, get her out of where you are, get her in a safe space that, you know, I have the money luckily to pay for. And I'm helping, right? But it's not in my own home. Also, anymore. like, sometimes just if anyone's going through anything, I think, like, this rings true to so many of us. When you're in the... Into the thick of it. 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 Yeah. And like you can't really see the forest for the trees. Isn't that the saying? Like you can't even like you're you're too see the, in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I probably said all. I'm. We're all, we both suck at saying, so it's fine. Yeah. You guys get so, it. So. You know, sometimes being able, and that's like an environmental manipulation you could do, which we understand in behavior. But when you're the one, you know, you kind of need an external friend or someone to tell you like, dude, you're so deep in it right now. You're not seeing clearly. Like you need to, you can't be living in the situation. At least remove yourself for, you know, or Mm -hmm. provide this safe place 
for the time being. Yeah. It's almost like um, you when you're in it and it's so like for me, like I'm so emotionally connected to the situation because my niece and nephew are my whole life. And when you have an 11 year old say, Auntie, it's so peaceful here. I just love it here. And like he's so happy, but you're miserable because your whole space is displaced. You don't see clearly how a, a simple environmental manipulation, like, hey, let's just get them a hotel room for a week. Right. In my mind, like that sounds so simple now that I'm talking through it. But like two Pragmatic. hours ago, right. Two hours ago, I was like, that wasn't even a thought in my mind or a solution at all, right? Like, I was just a mess, and Leon saw me, and she's like, "Your energy." I'm like, "I know, I hate my energy. I don't want to be around myself." Like, I literally. The wanna- funniest part is when we have <laughs> so Julia is the, like does a lot of our marketing mm-hmm. and like design and all this different stuff, and she meets with Casey and I once a week. Now Casey and I are on all the time. Like, if I'm driving, we're on the phone. Then we get back on Zoom and in person, yeah. whatever it is. So she's only catching the end of these conversations. And I see her literally like cringing her teeth like, Casey, are you okay with me acting this direct with you or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, like, because I will straight up be like, your energy sucks. I hate being around you like this. And Julia's like, you know, she's going through a lot. I'm like, of course I know. You're like, I'm talking to her all day. day. We're we're on this all day. I'm talking to her mom. Her mom's saying mean things to me. I mean, I'm in this too at this point. But it's like for someone on the outside, it's like, like, Julia was like, Casey, are you, are you okay? Leon saying this to you? I'm like, oh, this is nothing. Yeah. Like she's the one that, but exactly our relationship is you see me, you tell me exactly like what, like you always say, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I cannot hide any of my feelings. So if I'm going through a really hard time and a lot of people, I'm just like, I'll just put lipstick. What is that saying? Putting lipstick on a pig. I don't know. Anyways, you like literally are just like covering it up and underneath you're just like a fucking mess. And I always think I'm so good. I'm like, ah, I'm just going to pretend I'm awesome and everything's fine. And like, Leah will be like, like the biggest overcompensator, <laughs> like in every fucking thing she does. Like, I'm like, are you like, is Matt okay with all this going on? Oh my God. He totally gets it. He's like, <laughs> siblings are siblings as long as they need to be here. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that no. I'm going to call you on that bullshit. Okay. <laughs> because he doesn't even like when you're like teaching in front of him at night. Cause he like wants his space. So yeah. now I know you're full. Everything with Casey is like either like, so you just got to get her on a real level. I call Casey out on this bullshit. But anyways, Julia is like very disturbed by it. Love you, Julia, if you actually Jules, listen to us. I think she does. So yeah, so that's, you know, and I wanted to say to anyone out there going through anything with family, with friends, with anyone that has addiction or domestic violence or just trauma in general, um, I see you, I love you, and you can get through it. And sometimes it just takes someone on the outside who isn't so emotionally involved to tell you what's a simple situation. But I'm emotionally involved, okay? I know you are. I am emotionally involved, but yes, not the same as like living in it. But yeah. having that person there for you to sometimes like, mm-hmm. you know, we take a lot of things as like when you're in the deep, the depths of something, we don't have that philosophic doubt of like, maybe this is not the only solution, right? We, we're like... It is what it is. Okay, this is what it is. Like, if not this, it's this, and that's it, right? Yeah, you don't. Like- and and it's it's someone from the outside being like, "All right, l- wait, let's look at this again." And, and someone says something so simple, and it's like, "Oh, mm-hmm. okay." It's so funny because, like, even when we were talking before with Julia, um, I knew that we had this podcast, and I'm like, "There's no way." I'm like, "I was a mess all day yesterday. The worst anxiety, like, just shaking, so worried." And just making one simple pivot. 
I feel like a weight's lifted off my chest. I feel like I'm not putting my sister out. I have a place for her to go. And then it's on to her to figure out the next steps after eight days. And I think that I'm going to let her use my car. So I'm going to like, I'm there. I'm supporting, but I'm supporting from afar and setting boundaries is okay. And that's a big thing is setting boundaries while also feeling like you're not um, being selfish or um, or putting your family out, right? So it was just, I feel good. I, I love when it, like, <laughs> it means that you were listening to I, what I was saying to you before. And you're like, Leah, that's rude. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> da, 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 da. I'm like, Casey, but like, you have to also think that like, if you want to be strong for these other people, like you got to take care of you. But Leah, you're telling me, you, but then she's obviously listening because then she like cites exactly what I said to her. So Casey yep. is a little bit of a hard customer, but <laughs> he's listening somewhere. All right. Um, so. Anyways, what's anything up with you? Any, I mean, you've just been dealing with my own family drama. I, I don't even know what's going on. Are you okay? How's your life? How's Kobe? Kobe's like delicious. Um, he is. Uh, Having a kid is hard. I mean, and he is such a, and I've heard that he is such an easy baby and angel. And I don't like saying these things out, whatever, poo, poo, poo. Mm -hmm. I'm not allowed to say anything good about him because of superstitions with Eliron. Um, They're like super superstitious. You can't say anything. I'm not allowed to look at Kobe. I'm not allowed to say he's cute. I'm not allowed to do this, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I, I, I don't know what I'm allowed to do. I'm like, so, like, how do I look at him if I need to change him? Like, am I supposed to look from the side? Like, I don't get it. Um, but uh, it's definitely been a, a major shift also trying to work and just – it's all a lot. It, and your relationship changes a lot when you have a kid. Like, I mean, it's I yeah. a lot. It's I mean, even just, like, having Lonnie here, my niece, who's a year and a half, and – taking care of her with Matt and I even I mean I get it it's not his kid and so like that's completely different but wow I feel like I am just running around with her I just love every second of her I could eat her up I'm just like oh my god look how cute oh my god look at what she did and Matt's like uh-huh cool and like we've had zero connection for the last like week like I literally like so I don't even understand like I can see I can see how you and Ellie run when you have a kid it's like there's no more like the you in him that you knew then is probably like gone oh not at all it's like <laughs> and like when we do have time together I'm like oh Ellie Ryan, okay let's look at the pictures of today I took of Kobe and he's like yeah yeah cute cute I'm like you started noticing how he's like rolling a little more to the left right right yeah it's like yeah 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 new skill he has new skill <laughs> I'm just like all right I mean yeah I know I cannot I mean it's just such a I, wow. I mean, I, I, I like, again, it's like a blessing of some, like in your life, but it is like any of these moms who are posting this bullshit, like a uh, glowing period. This is the, like, you guys are all full of shit. I'm sorry. I'm going <laughs> to call you guys on that bullshit. It is hard. Sl- not sleeping sucks ass, makes you hate everyone and everything and your husband or whoever. It's fucking hard. You're like, why are you still crying? Like, what am I supposed to do right now? So any of you guys who are posting this perfect bullshit, I challenge you to write something on there and put like hashtag behavior bitches unfiltered, okay? And show what it's really (laughs) like because no one needs your little bullshit stories in the background. Well, you know, it's funny is I like have never – I mean, you guys know I love my cats, but I've never loved my cats more. I'm like – 
You guys are sad. Look at them like they're both just sleeping, peaceful. Behavioral family. contrast, honey. Oh, like, yeah. When you're totally. so – like now you're obsessed with them because the other side's like, I'm petrified of kids. Now punishment, punishment. And here I'm like, oh, my God, look at They just want to snuggle and like I can do whatever I want. Like it's just wild. It is wild. Yo, 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 everyone. Liat here. And I want to tell you guys about – the CEUs we have coming up this month. December's a nice month with the holidays, and a lot of you guys are probably trying to get your CEUs in before the end of the year. At least I know my last year's New Year's resolution was to get all my CEUs in before the end of the year, or maybe you're recertifying soon. Either way, this is what's going on. So on Saturday, December 18th at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, We have BCBA Angela teaching a CEU called BCBAs in Public Schools. When they don't know what the letters mean, they just want help. This is gonna be three type two CEUs. And this course is designed for BCBAs working in public school settings or considering working in school settings by providing a basic overview and understanding of special education and the difference between serving individuals in an educational setting versus a clinical setting. I could tell you personally, these are very different, especially when you're trying to align your goals. This course will also help define the developing roles and responsibilities of BCBAs in educational settings and the way that we implement our behavior analytic services. So this is gonna be December 18th and you could get three CEUs. And then the next day, because you're not gonna be sick of us, December 19th, Sunday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, we have our Research Review Club, which is free to attend, and you can get one CEU for attending. We will be going over different articles, and this article in December, we will be covering examining stereotypy in naturalistic context, differential reinforcement, and context-specific redirection. All right, this article is by Steinhauser, and again, you can get one CEU for attending this, or you could just attend because you want to be up to date on some articles. That's cool too, but head on over to ceu.studynotesaba.com and check out what we have to offer. Anyways, we digress. Holy shit. Sorry, peanut butter and jelly. Anyways, what are we talking about today? Because I'm super interested and... Okay, so I'll tell you what we're talking about today. And this is another one of like Liat coming to Casey situation and like we're doing a podcast on negotiation or we're doing a podcast on pimping. Okay, Casey, Mm -hmm. right? This I have been talking to Casey about, I think for over a year. And one day, like I call her up and I'm like, hey, Casey, we have to do a podcast on people begging for money on this for the, in the street. She's like panhandling. I'm like, yeah. She's like, you know, my dad used to do that. I'm like, really? <laughs> oh my God. Tell me more. Right. I'm like, I'm just so fascinated. I, I see it, like Dallas. There's just so many more people who are panhandling. Mm-hmm. And just, I want to preface this episode that we are not in any way judging this. No. We are just looking at, um, behaviorally, this through a lens, behaviorally. Mm-hmm. exactly. Right. Um, Regardless of the reason that anyone is engaging in this behavior, right? It might be different for everyone. But before we go further into panhandling, I think it's important that I let you know the behavioral concept we will be covering today. The robot is back. 
calm down, everyone. Not missing. All right, we're going to talk about behavioral repertoire, stimulus discrimination and control, reinforcement, punishment, extinction, matching law, variable schedules of reinforcement, and the resistance to extinction. I think I'm an Israeli robot now. Self-management, right? These are different concepts we will be covering, but... Now, I want to give you an operational definition of panhandling. All right. Panhandling is synonymous with begging and typically involves individuals soliciting for cash. Right. However, panhandlers can also solicit donations in exchange for nominal labor. Right. I mean, have you ever gone to a stoplight and suddenly someone's cleaning your window and you're like, Wait, hold on. What? I didn't ask for anyone to clean my window. Or like, ah, this is actually annoying. I just got a car wash and now I'm going to have your streaks Streaks. on it. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, or, you know, offering something on the side. So essentially you pull up to a stop light or a traffic light or like right before you enter the highway, which is a lot here in Dallas. And then, and you know, someone's asking for money. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. it's definitely something that is salient or redundant because they're standing there right next to you in the car. Um, and you know, you have this in that moment, like decision, am I, am I going to give money? Mm -hmm. And actually it's funny because Casey and I have an experience together. I was just going to say, which I, I just like, I didn't even have this written on our outline for today, but Casey and I had gone to get our eyebrows done here. And when we got our eyebrows done, we're like, oh, let's walk into TJ Maxx, right? Because mm-hmm. you have to go into TJ Maxx if there's a TJ Maxx nearby. And we're about to go in. And so I usually, like, I never have cash. I only have, like, any cash and that I have. I save it to get my eyebrows done because it's four bucks. And, like, it's, like, eight bucks you pay on a credit card. So, anyways, we had got our eyebrows done. I, both of us, I maybe had, like, $2 left or something. And a lady's like, can you help me? Um, I just need some money money to to share. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I don't remember the exact line. I'm like, I open my wallet right there and like, I take out the $2 I have and like, I hand it to her and Casey is like, (laughs) what? And I'm like, what? Like when she walks away, she's like, why would you give her money? It's going straight to drugs. You know that, (laughs) right? Talk about trauma and histories of reinforcement and punishment for different for each of us. And I'm like. I mean, Casey, you got to think about it. She's got to be mentally ill to be at the point of asking for money. Like, I mean, like this, she's probably not in a good place, right? Like mm-hmm. no one wants to be there. And you're like, trust me, my dad used to kill it, panhandling. And he yeah, would so use it all on drugs. I was just, so that's like, it was like, like, my history was, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you're just like continuing their addiction and their disease by giving them money. Like, and like all the behaviors that like I engage in when I see that of like adverting my eyes, pretending I'm on my cell phone, Liat like wants to know her life story and gives her her last two dollars, and I'm like, what? Like that was like our intro, to, and then this was what? Oh my god, two years ago. But I'm like, I know my dad, and my dad was telling me these stories that would crack me up. So he was like a professional panhandler um, from Florida all the way up to New England, and he would pret- go to gas stations. Um, he wasn't more of a, he wasn't a panhandler with a sign. So there's different types of panhandlers that I've seen sir, through my research. Um, he was a storyteller. So actually, I want to, while I have this up right now, I'm going to look, I, I 
was doing some research and I'll put it all in the show notes, but one of the articles I read talks about, and this is like an actual research public article, um, there's five primary panhandling routines. So one is the entertainer, two is the greeter, three, the servicer, so that's someone who's going to like clean your windshield, four, the storyteller, and five, the aggressor. So I totally picked my dad out of that and was like, he's the storyteller. He would go up and come up with some elaborate story that has either had a flat tire or only needed a couple more dollars to finish filling his gas tank to get to New Hampshire or his daughter was sick or like anything that like, but he would tell me this and be very open about it. And I'm like, he's like, I made so much money. And I was like, really? Like, he's like, oh yeah. Like it was like a show him and his friends would put on. They all had like different spots that they would like uh, camp out in, not camp out, but like okay, I'll get this place and you get that place. And then they'd all come together at the end of the day with their money and get drugs. So again, that's my experience. So I'm like, uh, hello, Leah, you're just reinforcing that bad behavior. <laughs> and just if anyone's wondering what this article is, it is, you could find it. It is called Panhandling Repertoires and Routines for Overcoming the Non-Person Treatment. So the non-person treatment is exactly kind of what I was saying before. So they talk about how people treat panhandlers as not as humans. Like, so would you ever, and again, they are strangers to you. You pull up at a light, right? And someone's standing there you've never seen before. Typically you're not going to greet them anyways, but there's something that happens with panhandlers. And they talk about this, that think of all those behaviors that you do to avoid, right? Like so many, I've done it before. Like, Oh, I got to, I'm pretending I'm on my phone. I'm looking down, averting my eyes, putting my headphones in, rolling my window up. Like, Whatever. But I will say, and I texted you this the other day, is that I was at a stoplight. I was like, you'd be so proud of me. And you're like, what? I'm like, I get, I, I never have cash either, um, which I'll get to another funny story that I saw in a meme today. But I never have cash. So I feel bad, right? So I had $2. I don't know what from. Maybe it was a couple dollars. And so I'm like, do I give him $1 or all the dollars or what? And like, I, and you know, again, that's a thing. You're like, oh, I, I, did, I did something good today, whatever it is. So trying to like, but the point of it was I was laughing this morning and looking on uh, to send Leon a meme. And it was like, <laughs> the guy had a uh, cardboard that said, guts, like change to spare. And then you fl- he flips it over. He goes, or you can PayPal me. And like a PayPal, I'm like, that's genius. Like, that is how, that's like the way of the world now. It's like Venmo or PayPal. Like, why like we don't have to touch someone with COVID. <laughs> I could just send it over. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, Okay, so like I was just in, I remember as a kid going to, you know, Eliran and I, not as a kid, Eliran was somewhere in Israel, I was here, but I remember going to Venice Beach for the first time in California. And I was like, this is so cool. And there's like all these artists selling like things on the side of the street, like whatever, like on the shore, like, you know, you see the beautiful beach there, people working out. Eliran and I just went for his birthday to to Santa Monica. And I'm like, we have to go to Venice Beach. I haven't been in forever. We get there and I'm talking like I've never smelled such a strong odor of piss in my life. Like you'd be like, okay, it's such an open space, the beach here. Like there's no getting away from it. Like any anywhere you go and people asking for money everywhere, like doing drugs on the side, like not even like, you know. Hiding it. Covertly. It was like very overt. And – I'm like, what the fuck has happened here? And the entire California has become like this. And um, I mean, in Dallas, where I live, you, you wouldn't I mean, really it's here. see I'm in, I'm in New Hampshire, like a very affluent town, a small town. And it's everywhere. 
I mean, but what yeah. I think is really interesting to look at is, you know, we could look at patterns of reinforcement. So mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, you know, if we look at, I am pretty sure, I don't know, I could just make a prediction, no control here. I would assume there are probably more panhandlers in warmer locations than there are in New Hampshire. Like that's the last place I'd want to be a panhandler. So California, great weather, right? Florida, um, my dad, my dad's yeah. stomping grounds. There, there, so, and, and so you could see like, okay, first of all, where are people going, where the reinforcement is, right? Whether for multiple reasons, either like, okay, I'm going to be in Texas. The cost of living is cheaper. Um, I'm also going to, you know, the weather's like bearable all year. But also though, if you think of that, and those are like the populated places, like, would you want to be in a populated place where you're competing with a bunch of different contingencies or maybe in a place where you might be the only one on that corner and no one's in competition with you? Yeah. But like, I'm also thinking, I'm like, I'm thinking of these other things. Like, is someone going to want to open their window when it's negative 30 degrees outside? Or I think switch it, right? How much worse would you feel if someone was on the side of the road in negative 30 degree weather than you would if they're on the beach. It's okay, so let's talk about that as the person. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about, first of all, the the person in the car's behavior. Yeah. But I'm still talking about the actual panhandlers, okay? Yeah. So, like, there's one thing, like, geographically, like, reinforcement-wise, where they're going to go, right? It's like, oh, California, everyone has money there. What the hell is it for them to drop? Like, whatever it is, right? So there's multiple reasons. Whether this, now it's like, Okay, so we've made it to like our state, let's say, or our city. Now, where in this city am I going to go, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you might notice, as I've noticed, I'm like, they're all on, like, why over here by like the entrance to Central Expressway are they all here? Well, let's just say the same way that you are going to find pigeons in the same, like, knowing like this is where everyone comes and brings their breadcrumbs in Central Park, Right. Mm-hmm. It's the same idea. There's obviously been reinforcement there, and people have either come into contact with that contingency, like, right, antecedent, I'm at this area, behavior, hold my sign up, consequence, getting money here. Either it could be contingency shaped, like you come into contact with making the money there, or rule govern, right? Like one of your friends told you, like, hey, by the way, best area over here. Mm-hmm. Right. Or and and maybe you could work as a team and figure out like, OK, I'm going to do it, you know, over here. You do it over here. We'll get together, whatever it is. And I just want to say that not necessarily everyone is using this for drugs. OK, we're, we're not. And well, actually, what you have this quote or a fact here that said facts from a recent survey, 94 percent of panhandlers use the funds that they get from the donations of others to simply purchase the food that they need. So a lot of us assume like, oh, they're going to use this on drugs, right? And not all of them are homeless either. That's another misconception. Yes. Oh, my God. Not all of okay. them are homeless, which. Also, can and- we talk about matching law? Okay. So I read a lot of studies and there's a book out there. This um, college, he's a, hold on. He is a recent grad um, from the where was he from? Oh, he wrote this book called Exit Ramp, a short case study of the profitability of panhandling. Um, his name is David Spears, um, and he spent a couple weeks as a kind of, um, not as he did, he was posing as a panhandler in Oregon City. Um, and his sign that he used, again, everyone's MO is different, so appealing to certain people. So he used one that said, um, I rack bet, um, anything helps. 
And he actually was able to make 11, he did all this data, it's amazing. He made $11.10 an hour, which is more than Oregon's minimum wage, which was eight ninety five an homie. hour. Oregon, Oregon. You know I can't pronounce anything. <laughs> Uh, Oregon. Um, so listen, like that is over minimum wage. So again, matching law, why would you, you know, work a minimum wage job to make less money than what you could make panhandling? And I, I will tell you that's exactly what my dad told me. Um, but again, so matching to- law, I want to just explain it to anyone listening who doesn't understand. There's something called matching law mm-hmm. and it's stating that you are going to allocate the amount of response to wherever you're going to allocate that amount of response to the, to, level of that, um, to the level of reinforcements that there. So simply said, behavior goes or reinforcement flows. So you, meaning you have a choice you can make, right? This is that choice. Like, am I going to sweat cleaning toilets to make maybe $8 an hour, mm-hmm. right? Or whatever it is, cleaning all these toilets. Or am I going to stand here, let's say in sunny Santa Monica, and make $11 an hour, right? There's multiple variables there, right? It's not just necessarily money even. It might also be like, well, I could be working in this nasty building with this rude boss or like make this amount of money and be my own boss and work my own schedule, right? There's other different areas that are reinforcing. So that is matching law at its finest. And, um, okay, but can Oh, yeah, I want to just, I want to give some of these statistics from his book. Okay. So these are kind of like the highlights. So, and this is like really um, opening my eyes. Like, I just want to give you a demographic. So his panhandling project produced a variety of findings. So first of all, donations ranged from four cents to a hundred dollar bill. He averaged $5 and 13 cents on his worst day, which was the first day and 24.63 per hour on his best. One of every 59. So one in 59 people driving by gave money. Middle-aged people between 25 and 49 gave much more than older or younger people. And although accounting for only 39% of insured drivers in Oregon, not gone, middle-aged drivers make up 80%. And he said that there was not much difference in giving between men and women. Some offered jobs or rides. Others gave him sports drinks, gift cards, bottled water, beef jerky, or homeless care packages. So he was surprised by how often people gave and how much they gave. Um, that was like a big result of his study and his research. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was like, wow, okay, that's is why people do it, right? It makes sense. Right. And, you know, of these different like things that I was reading about, you know, 44% of panhandlers admit that they use part of their daily take on drugs and alcohol at least once per week. Um, and it... It happens to be, and we're pulling different stats from all over. I, we are in no way experts on panhandling. We just, you know, took some data off the web. And I really wish we could have found, like, I wish my dad was alive because he would be an amazing podcast guest to know all those behaviors and, like, his experience doing it for years. So that's, that's so I want to talk about, like, specific behaviors of the panhandler. And then I also want to talk about, like, our behavior on the other side. Mm-hmm. But so... I was reading these different articles and about how to make the most as a panhandler. And I thought this was interesting because there could be topographically different behaviors, right? Like it looks different, Mm -hmm. but they're functionally equivalent to get you money. But your behavior is slowly going to be shaped 
to when you figure out like, oh, well, this works better, right? I mean, for me, even like if I'm doing a post like to market a sale we're having or something, right? I'm like, oh my God, last time I did a post with this kind Kobe. of thing. Yeah, Kobe, <laughs> yeah, so many likes or whatever it is, right? It's like, I'm going to do it again. Mm-hmm. The same goes with really anything in life, but panhandling, right? So it's like, all right, let's see how I do holding up a sign here, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to test out different variables. You could you could also do a component analysis, right? Let's see how I do just with a sign. Let's see how I do with a sign and my dog. Next or my, day, a right? sign and my wheelchair or cane or something in the environment, right? My sign, my dog, my wheelchair, my cane, and now my child, mm-hmm. right? That's when I'm just like, holy shit, okay, like, right? So there's different things there. So is it all of it together? Is there one part that like, okay, for me now I have a child, so that's like what really sticks out to me? Or am I a dog lover and thinking like, oh, my French bulldogs have the best life ever. This is such like how privileged am I? You know, like what is the one thing that's going to like tug at someone's heartstrings, right? Um, And so I, I think it's interesting, like, your dad, and based on what you told me about him, he sounds like a behavior analyst at heart. Like he was very <laughs> good at manipulating people's behavior. And, yeah. you know, I I was telling Casey that I read in one of these articles about the best way to make money is not holding up a sign saying like whatever it is. Like, hey, anything helps. A sign like that is not the way to make money, okay? According to these different articles, and we'll post all these different articles um, in here um, in the show notes. The way to make money is by giving a specific amount. So if you're going up to someone and you're like, hey, I'm trying to catch the bus home and I just need $2.73, okay? You are more likely to get that because you are providing the exact response that someone needs to engage in and they feel like them providing that is actually getting you to a solution. So they're feeling a little bit like a hero here that you are more likely to get more money than if you just provide someone like, okay, yeah, I had a few pennies in my purse, right? right? So this is more successful and gets more money than if you are um, someone just like, like anything, anything can else. help. Yeah. So I'm, um, and I know Liat, you have not watched this yet, but if anyone's listening and you have not watched The Maid on Netflix. Um, I have watched four episodes. Okay. Well, there's 10 and you need to finish it. But anyways, that's my life. Um, and that's forty percent. So, <laughs> so she does, and she, you know, to no choice. She's not panhandling, but what she did, and I saw this behavior was she was at the gas station, and she had um, been pumping gas, and she had only a certain amount of money, and she was like three dollars over, three dollars and like sixty cents. I'm not sure. And when she asked the lady, she's like, "I just need this." Like you said, she gave a nominal thing that she needed to pay for her gas. Um, and the lady was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's fine." And I can see that working better than someone just with a sign that says anything, right? Or wait, what? What about what you told me about your dad? So this is another thing. And anyone watch the show? What would you do? I remember like they they set different situations up and see like what people would do, and they have actors, but. The one thing is, so if someone goes looking homeless, right, like they're in raggedy clothes, they look dirty, like they haven't showered. Um, This was like studies done. They wanted to see like which uh, person are you more likely? Yeah. Is someone going to give money to? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'd be like, oh, well, I hope um, like, you know, the person who needs it more, I'd probably want to give it to, right? It actually works the opposite which is very interesting. So when someone is dressed nice 
and they look like someone, you know, someone safe, someone that could be just like you who happened to be in a situation that you could relate to. Like, holy shit, like my credit card just wasn't working. Cause like, that's exactly I, what my dad would do. Like clean cut, like tan, like looking good. And same thing. He, the credit card one too. Like, oh, it just, it just didn't work. Like, can you go in and get me? Like it, he'd even pull that stunt, like with people behind him in line, right? Like pretending it didn't work. And then just like, no shame and to turn around and be like, Hey, can you, you got this only seven bucks like and it'd be like cigarettes and like probably a 40 which is like a, a giant beer i don't know but like when you people get put in that situation it's like uh, uh like i would be like yeah yeah sure like you don't want to say no in front of everyone like so he played to those like he knew what he was doing and he like laughed about it. i remember before he passed away he was like telling me all these stories and i'm like dad did you really like you weren't like embarrassed or anything he's like no i made so much more money than my painting business i'm like oh, okay what did your dad paint he was a like a house painter inside and outside. Oh, I was like, he was an artist. <laughs> oh, I mean, he was an artist. He did carve and do all these like walking sticks and like, yeah, he was a type of artist. But, anyways, yeah. So, okay, my biggest thing though, okay, and I'm sure anyone listening, and this is like the elephant in the room, or like what I see these panhandlers panhandling in front of signs that say "Hiring now, please work for us." Like everyone knows right now, there's a shortage, right? So that's bringing up matching well again, why they're not doing that. But this thing I read, which I was like, this is awesome. It actually was a TED talk I watched. Um, and it's the mayor in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, he, they had a huge problem with panhandlers and the homeless population. And he really wanted to set off to have this pilot program um, to first treat them with dignity and respect and offer them a day's work and a hot meal versus a couple bucks. Because you give someone a couple bucks, it doesn't go far. It's like that saying, you teach a man to fit, you give a man a fish, he can eat for a day, teach a man to fish, he can eat for his life. So the mayor in there was like, started this pilot program and has all this research um, on it. And it's, it's called the Better Way Program. And so he found a guy who was willing to drive a van around. So every day where the biggest panhandlers were, they would have a van. Um, and he just wanted to see what would happen. The van would drive around and pull up and say, hey, I can offer you a day's work at $9 an hour and a hot meal. Um, do you want to come? Right? And he said that overwhelmingly, like that van would be filled every day. Like they wanted to work. They wanted to have that dignity, that value, that purpose of like, I put in a hard days of work and got paid versus standing here. And so he... You guys should research it. It's really cool. The Better Way program. Um, it's helped so much in Albuquerque. And he says that like no town is too big or too small to have this type of pilot program like actually work. Um, but it was just interesting. And he said also that um he asked these people, do you enjoy panhandling? So 23 participants, 43 replied yes, commonly because of the opportunity to meet people. 26, so 48% answered no, often describing panhandling as degrading. Um so basically, overall, he said 70% of the panhandlers in his study stated that they would prefer a minimum wage job versus panhandling. So that's also interesting. Um, but again, I was just like, wow, this is really cool. And the whole TED Talk was just so touching and like why it's so much more valuable to give someone that hard day's work and they feel better about themselves than just giving them like two bucks. Yeah. And... You know, it's, you know, it's interesting because, I mean, this episode's coming out around Thanksgiving and a yeah. time that we're, like, reflecting on all the things we're thankful for. And 
Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder, it's so easy for us to be like, they're going to use it for this, right? Like, d- don't do it. Like, I remember, where was I? The, when I was in South Africa, um, went to go visit. And like, initially, I was like, so like upset by the amount of people I was seeing. And, you know, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I'll get them this. Also, like the money felt like play, play money because it was like oh. the rand. And, you know, at the time it was like 10 rand to $1. So I'm like, yeah, one for you. It's like one for you. Yeah, five for you, whatever, right? Whatever it was. And and I remember my cousin being like, don't do it. All they're going to do is go, they're going to go sniff glue, okay? They're going to sniff glue. Like, don't do it. They all sniff glue, right? And I'm like, all right. And then, like, your heart becomes, like, hardened over time because you're like, I'm seeing it so much. And you become, like, mm-hmm. you um, – Desensitized almost. Yeah, or adapt, right, to seeing mm-hmm. this in your environment. Mm-hmm. And uh, but and it's so easy to I don't know if it's like a coping mechanism for us to be like, okay, this this person's gonna use it for this. Like I'm not gonna, you know. And when it, when you actually read about this, like there's a lot of like I don't want to be depressing here, but it's very sad. Like one in four um panhandlers are served in the military and are vets at some point. And like they, you know, have so much trauma or they aren't able to work. And like, this is what they've had to do. And, you know, you know, only 3%, they said, of panhandlers don't want some form of permanent housing that would help them get off the street. So like 97% of people are wanting to get off the streets. And something also that I found interesting is, Joblessness does not mean homeless. Like mm-hmm. people are confusing the two words and using them like synonymously. But really one's like an issue with like work, employment, and one's an issue with um, you know, housing. Like a shelter. Yes. And you know it- Also, I mean, and I, I coming from personal experience right now, dealing with this homelessness is like the system is broken, right? Like it's designed to keep people down and it's so hard to get help. Like calling like all these places for my sister and being like, they're homeless with two kids and they have nowhere to put them. Like, sorry, no, nothing, no fun, nothing. It's just insane. Like, oh, you have to wait 12 months to get on the housing list. Well, what if like, she's just going to go, if she didn't have me, it's like, oh, now you're just on the street for 12 months. Like how horrible is that? And all the things that happened to the children and just like, so, yeah, again. And, and like, the, the competing contingencies. Like, as we've seen with your sister now, it's like, okay, like, she is on Social Security. Mm-hmm. Is what she makes maybe $1,000 a month for, with including both kids. And it's, like, also, like, if you look at, like, incentivizing MOs, like, it's, like, why would she go work? Because if she makes anything, she loses that money from the government, and with no and college so, education or anything, she's not going to make more than minimum wage, which is like $7 an hour. <laughs> so it's, and there's child just care. Some, yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, get it. Like, I, I, I literally get it seeing it from a perspective of going through it right now. It's like, wow. And that's the thing we asked my sister. We're like, have you ever panhandled? She's like, no, that's actually one thing I haven't done. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, it's it, also the other thing. There was one other thing I was thinking of as we were talking about this. We all know, and I don't know anyone listening, but like different schedules of reinforcement kind of keep you coming back for more, right? So a variable schedule, I always talk about this with fishing. My husband and I love to fish. And 
it's so addicting because you might get one and then you never know when you're going to get one again. So you keep casting, right? That variable ratio schedule. And it's like, so like, I'm not going to stop. Like there's times where we're out there for hours and hours and hours. And it's like, we might get one, right? But it's so, once and you like do- like treating like knocking on doors. Like you never know, like which response going to get reinforced. So you keep going. Right. So like same thing as a pain handler is like, that guy said it was like one in 59, but like that one in 59 was enough to keep him in that behavior maintained, right? Because you'd never know. If it was a consistent schedule every single time, right? Then the second it stops, the behavior would probably pretty much kind of like stop. But when you're on that variable schedule, it is the hardest schedule of behavior to break. Um, so that's one, another thing I was thinking of when I was like reading this. I'm like, yeah, they're not getting it every time. But that few times, it's so addicting that you keep going and it maintains that behavior. Totally. And okay, so but now let's talk about the behavior of the actual person who's in the car. Let's mm-hmm. say the giver, if they give, right? Or the um, avoider, if they're avoiding and engaging right. in those escape-maintained behaviors to get out of the situation. Exactly. It might That and, even might mean giving to get out of the situation, right? So, right, because yeah. you're like, this person is staring at me, whatever it is. <laughs> Um, or, you know, and different things that might make us give more or, you know, I, I know there's definitely things for me. Like I have this, like, so I do try give if I have, I just, I never usually have like change or dollars on me. This guy's sign is like, if you don't have change, just pay me. me. Right. So that's like one thing, but there's definitely MOs that play into whether I like am feeling more generous in that moment too. So let's say I just came back from Nordstrom's and I decided to splurge on a pair of winter boots, right? Something, did I necessarily like need them? No, I have other boots, right? I could wear my whatever's from last year or whatever it is, but I have this thing inside me like wow, I was just able to do that with something that wasn't a necessity for me. Like I, as a human, like I need to be giving to this person who's literally begging on the street, mm-hmm. right? Or like, oh, wow, had a really good day in business or, or something along those lines, like these MOs that play into that. Mm-hmm. Um, or like a guilt for having and seeing someone else that like there's definitely these things that are like, I, like, you know, going through our mind that are, you know, in my head at the moment, I'm not like, oh, this is what's going through my mind. But like, when I think back to it, I'm wondering like, well, why on this day did I decide to be like, you know what? I have a $5 bill. I'm just going to give it like, what's it, you know, like one, co- like a coffee for me, but it seems like a lot. Cause I like never have cash, but at the same, you know, it's just this. It's also like, or taking that time to be like, Hey, like, can I go to Dunkin' Donuts and get you like a breakfast sandwich and a coffee, right? Like what makes it different on a different day? It it all depends on what you're going through. And maybe even just what that panhandler is providing you um, in the sense of whether it's their sign. Like I have a really big, um, I don't know if it's called like a heartfelt, I don't know why I like, I'm not religious really at all, but anytime that I see a sign that says like, God bless, like, I'm just like, they're so grateful. Like, I don't know shit about them, right? But like, for some reason, that sign will get me because I'm like, <gasps> like, and I'm not religious again, but like, God bless you. Like, they're thanking me for something I haven't even done yet. Like, I have to go do something. Like, 
it's just so funny. I'm like, and I see myself like, and anytime I have given, like, I swear every single time they say like, God bless you. Like, God bless you. And that, I don't know why, but maybe it's because my Nana said that a lot. Something in my history, right. It has made that like, an, and not a bad trigger, an actual, just like, almost like I pay more attention to it. And I feel deeply for that person because of that thing. All it is, is a sign that says like, and God, God bless you. That's it. Well, and there's like some form of pairing, right? So like the same way we said that you're more likely to give someone who like might look like you or, you know, oh, wow. Like they're also like trying to get somewhere and their kids in the car seat in the back. And I know how hard that is when like you're trying to get somewhere and there's a kid or whatever it is. Like there's, there's actually a sense of pairing, right? So like that could be me, right? Or Mm -hmm. oh my God, like I could be driving around with Kobe and like, you know, my thing, my credit card not work and how frustrating would that be? And or you like know. environmental variables in the sense, like if it's raining that day or something where I'm like, you just have that where you're like, oh, it's, I wouldn't want to be out there right now. But if it's sunny and beautiful, it's like, oh, actually, that looks like a nice place to hang out for the day. Like, I don't really need to give them anything. Right. Or like if you needed to go to Rite Aid from your apartment, let's say you live in New Hampshire, which you do. You need to go to Rite Aid, which is down the street. Right. And mm-hmm. it was like such a dread to you because like you felt like even cold in your apartment. Right. Right. Yes. And you're like, the last thing I want to do is go pick up my prescription. Mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yep. And then you see someone who's like living out there. Yeah. And because of whatever you went through, that's why we say MOs or that background information of, of what's going on, which is going to make giving in that moment, you know, it's going to evoke giving or abate or like, you're just like, like maybe that day you're super stressed out. You just got your medical bill for, you know, whatever procedure you had done. And you're like, mm-hmm holy fuck, like I was just on the phone with the hospital asking for a payment plan. Like, you know, like, yeah, like at that moment, like maybe 20 minutes before I got that bill, I would have been more than happy to like donate like money to some cause or let's not even, it doesn't even have to be a panhandler, like literally like a GoFundMe that I see. No, think, yeah, think about it. Like right now, like, you know that you just like paid for your sister to have a hotel for eight days, right? Yeah. And I like have medical bills and I'm like, like so stressed where it's like, I wouldn't donate anything right now. Cause I, it's that state of deprivation where you it, fear that you're going to lose it. So it abates your behavior of doing any of that. But literally if you asked me 20 minutes ago before I got that bill or before I had to pay for a hotel room for my sister, I'd have been like, hell yeah, I'll donate 50 bucks. Like who needs it? Anyone? Like sure. <laughs> but again, situational and moment by moment, they change every single moment. You never know what anyone is going through. And what's going to change their behavior or make them do something or make them not do something until you know the situation and the background. And none of us know that about anyone, literally. And I think that's something that we could generalize to our practice as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. The idea of that, you never know what someone is going through. And I mean, Casey, you are like living proof of it. Um, (laughs) Like I would you know, like have no idea like what, like yeah. I tell you, I'm like, how, how are you, like you like this coming from this? Like you never know like what someone's dealing with. Like you never know if this person is really struggling. And like the idea of them like having to be on the street is really just. Yeah. Like, I mean, they, they, think they, of what they, they don't feel. No. No, it, it, it takes like, like you really are letting down a level of pride. Like, and you asking are like, for help in general is hard. Like no one wants to. So like, that's how I feel with my sister is like the fact that she is asking for help, needs help. Like she doesn't want it. She doesn't feel good about herself that she's in this situation. Like, and just 
always making sure like with families you're working with or clients, you never know what happened to them that morning. You didn't know if they had no food to eat for breakfast or if they were sleeping on a floor in an office and they had no bed and, you know, you don't know anything on the outside. Like I was actually walking down the hall this morning to go get my sister and the kids. And, um, there's like worker guys in our building and they're like, Oh my goodness. They keep seeing me walk through and through because I'm going back and forth. And they're like, where's the little cutie one? Like you guys are such a cute family. And like, said something about that. And I was like, in my head, like, if you only knew what is going on right now, like you see this cute little baby and this, you know, me and my sister that look pretty normal and average. And like, they have like, it just made me laugh. I'm like, yep, it's super cute. We're so cute. (laughs) (laughs) We're so, so cute, right? (laughs) We're so fine. Everyone's fine. (laughs) But yeah, so if that's, I think this is a really cool topic and something that like, whenever Liat throws these at me, like, oh, this will be fun to break down. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, this is not even related to ABA at all. And she's always like, Casey, it's behavior. It's everywhere. Remember, that's why we do this podcast. And I'm always like, oh, yeah, trust her. Trust the process. <laughs> it, and it's I mean, true. I, I just like my favorite thing about behavior analysis is the application yeah. to everything. And, you know, I do bring Casey back to this on the podcast sometimes that I'm like, do you realize? And I was just reading articles about it yesterday and I actually sent you one article that I highlighted. Did you see? She didn't look at it for sure. But anyways, it's about how like as a science, we have sucked for so long at marketing ourselves and disseminating what we do because and Mm -hmm. love Skinner, but we've had a little bit of a disservice because but he won it and he did it with good reason that he was like, I'm going to totally change the wording on some of these like principles that have been out there already. I'm going to, you know, just to make sure we don't make the same mistakes we've made in the past. But by doing that, it's like everything's so unfamiliar to everyone. And so Mm -hmm. to bring it up in these topics like this, it's like, oh, my God, like you will start to see it that the science is everywhere. It's it's not untouchable and unreachable. It's everything we do. So hopefully this is just another topic where you could see that. And these are the topics that I live for. Casey brings us the ABA topics. I'll bring you these topics. And that's why um, we balance each other and why the podcast has been successful. So yeah. Totally. Guys, oh, I think that's a, all we have for you today. Yeah. What an episode. Thank you. That what was great. I mean, that was like very um therapeutic for me too. Good. Yeah. It could either, it, good. I'm happy it took that as opposed to traumatizing. <laughs> so I'll take that all day. That's a win. Guys, thank you guys for tuning in and listening. You know where to find us. You could find us on Instagram at Behavior Bitches Podcast, Facebook, Behavior Bitches Podcast, on our website, behaviorbitches.com. You could also contact us from there if you have a topic you want us to cover or you have a guest or you are that guest that we need to have on reach out to us. We actually do check the email. Um, And that's all I have for you today. So as always, love ya. Mean it. Hey guys, it's Liat. And Casey. We just want to take a second to let you know that if you're thinking of being a millennial like us and starting your own podcast, There is a way. You can do your show without having to become an audio editing and production wizard. Because guess what? We don't know shit with that. But we have Alan at Pretty Easy Podcast who help us 
Get Started. He records our shows. He posts them. He adds awesome, awesome music and cool shit when we don't even know what he's doing. He sends us teaser episodes. He does it all. We just sit here and friggin' talk. We shoot the shit and you can record from home, your office, the park, a bathroom stall at work. It doesn't matter. He provides the complete podcast studio. All you need is a microphone and you're good. Alan caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show at your beck and call. He has been super flexible with our schedule. Whenever we need him, we go to Google Calendar. We just book him and he does all the hard work. It's like so incredibly easy. That's why it's probably called Pretty Easy Podcast. So be heard and have some fun podcasting like us. Go to prettyeasypodcast.com today. Today. 